Hi, Mr. Austin. I'm Michael Seidman. Nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you, sir. How can I help you today? Mr. Austin is in the examination room with Dr. Michael Seidman, a family medicine physician at Metro Health. It's clear he's here for one reason. How can I help you today? Um, I just, I have uh, some pain in my hip and um, I'm, I take Percocet, but I'm out of the Percocet. So I just need to come in and get a, a refill on that so I can, you know, get through my day. As the conversation okay. continues, it's apparent Mr. Austin is a pill seeker. He's dependent on Percocet. It's a strong opioid painkiller. All right. And have you tried any other therapies, any other treatments? Yeah, that, that ibuprofen stuff, that doesn't work. So that, that, that's no good. It would be really easy for Dr. Seidman to avoid an uncomfortable confrontation and just write a script. But he won't do it. But um, I'm not going to be able to give you Percocet today. Oh, but yeah, he's your doctor, so I mean, you could probably just give me a, a prescription, right? Uh, I, I am not going to give you Percocet today. Well, but... Dr. Seidman holds firm offering to help treat the pain in other ways. Mr. Austin is not having it. Well, but I want to help you. Okay, well then just give me the Percocet. No, I'm not giving you Percocet. Well, then get me another doctor. Then who's your boss? Who can I talk to? Who's your boss that, I, that can get me the Percocet? My boss can't get you Percocet. No, I want the Percocet. I want someone who... This is bullcrap. I'm out of here. I'm... Calling who I need to to get your ass in trouble. I'm Tina Arundel, and this is Prescription for Hope. As you might suspect, that encounter wasn't real. It was a simulation. Mr. Austin is actually a local actor, Jeff Kane. The exchange took place in Metro Health Simulation Center as part of a new program that places prescribers into realistic scenarios with actors and then coaches them on how to handle the patient and the situation. The goals are fewer opioid prescriptions, fewer pills when opioids are prescribed, and the patient still getting effective treatment for pain. The simulations can be powerful and helpful, but they're just one part of a multi-pronged effort to change how our providers treat pain and prescribe pain medication. I invited MetroHealth's Chief Clinical Officer, Dr. Bernie Boulanger, to the studio to tell us more. First, he took us back to the 1990s. So in the 90s, there was a lot of marketing promotion done by the pharmaceutical companies about the safety of opioids. And it was marketed heavily to physicians, including myself. There was a lot of marketing around long-acting opioids to be used for routine pain or for post-surgical pain. You know, so doctors were, I mean, frankly, misled by the pharmaceutical companies. And so that was one of the main factors, right? So prescribing patterns changed in the, in the 90s because of that. At the same time, you had patients, they started to increase their expectations for pain relief. It became more, you know, you need to take away my pain with the opioids rather than control my pain, right? Maybe not, you know, be able to take it all away. So you had elevated patient expectations, and then you had altered prescribing at the same time. So what that led to is the perfect storm we have, uh, you know, right now. 
A little education about who gets opioids. In general, two types of patients are prescribed painkillers. Those suffering acute pain, which is a broken arm, a wisdom tooth extraction, surgery, and then those suffering chronic pain. That could be hip pain, back pain, arthritis. The percentages are different anywhere you look, but most of the patients who, who, who receive opioids, it's for acute pain. I mean, that's where most of the patients are, right? But most of the opioid pills themselves, you know, they go to the patients with chronic pain. And when you're trying to look at opioid prescribing for those two populations, very different approach, All right, The acute pain patients, much simpler approach. I mean, there's a lot more of those patients, but it's much simpler. I mean, you have an operation, you can manage that differently. You manage the patient's expectations, you know, you might give them other therapies before you go to opioids or just less opioids. I mean, the chronic pain patients, they've been on opioids sometimes for years at big doses. They're much, much harder patients to deal with. Bernie knows what he's talking about. He signed his name on a lot of prescription pads. I mean, I, I remember patients, you have to get rid of the pill mill doctor idea, right? I mean, they're criminals. So, so if you exclude that, we're just talking about the average physician who's looking after patients, whether they're a surgeon or family doctor, whatever. I mean, I can remember patients who, who I think I got addicted to opioids. I remember one guy was an executive and he had uh, operated on him. You know, he had a painful condition and so I, I was prescribing opioids to him. And then I, 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 I told him, I said, I got to stop these. I got to stop them. I'm sort of worried about you getting addicted. Well, he already was addicted. So well, what happened was I stopped them. And a relative of his called me at home one night and said he's out on the street trying to buy a, uh, you know, narcotics, opioids. He, he's addicted. So, so I think we were, you know, with the best intentions, and the patients certainly wanted the opioids because they wanted their pain to go away. So it was a vicious cycle there. You know, I think with our best intentions, we, we got people addicted. And some of them, and I don't have personal experience with this part of it, but some of them obviously would have gone on. You know, once you're addicted, then you, you know, nowadays, then you get into heroin and you could end up with an overdose, maybe dead, right? I mean, that's the cycle you want to break. But really what we're trying to do here is change 20 to 30 year history of medical practice, right? That's, that's hard to do that. I mean, I mean, there's some people that have only ever practiced in, in that way, right? So that takes a lot of education, lots and lots of education, just to let people know that the things that you were taught and the way you were trained and the way you've been practicing might not be the best thing for the patients, even though you know, doctors prescribed opioids, not because they thought they were addicting patients. I mean, right? I mean, who does that? Nobody. They thought it was the best, you know, the best avenue to manage the patient's pain. So, so we have to undo that. that. That takes a lot. That takes time and it takes a lot of education. Educating prescribers and reversing decades of habits may be the most important job of Metro Health's Office of Opioid Safety. 
In addition to the role-playing in the simulation center, the office is having every prescriber in the system, almost a 1,000 medical professionals, attend mandatory town hall meetings, led by the office's medical director, Dr. Joan Papp. I want to first talk a little bit about the objectives. We've got three objectives, three reasons why. On a recent Thursday afternoon, Dr. Papp welcomed about three dozen providers into a room next to Metro Health's cafeteria. Three big reasons. Number one, I just want to make sure that you understand the scope of this problem. How big is this epidemic? Um, why does it impact you as a provider? Um, what's going on here in the hospital? What's going on outside in the community and um, across the nation in regard to the opioid epidemic? Dr. Papp asks prescribers some sobering questions. How many people here have ever told their patient that they might get addicted to their medication and, and start taking heroin? Does anyone ever tell their patients that? That's the kind of conversations we need to start having, right? Because if you don't know, you don't know. They also learned that despite opioids' reputation as being the good stuff, safer treatments are sometimes more effective. This is a, taken from a Cochrane review that looked at postoperative pain and renal colic and found that the most effective combination, 62% of patients receiving this combination were able to achieve 50% pain relief, was acetaminophen plus ibuprofen. Um, and if you look further down, um, only 37% of patients on the oxycodone 10 milligram group. So clearly those medications were not as effective in these groups. Over the course of the hour-long session, prescribers learn about the slew of new tools Dr. Papp and her team have added to MetroHealth's electronic medical record system. These are tools that automatically populate fields with safe dosages and that launch pop-up windows to warn doctors about potential dangers. Providers' computers now automatically prompt them to prescribe the overdose antidote Narcan with some opioid prescriptions. Dr. Papp's team has also added a tool that lets providers screen their patients. And that's the opioid risk tool. This is a screening tool that we can use before we prescribe an opioid to a patient to assess their risk for going on to misuse or abuse their opioid pain medication. So the risk factors include either personal or a family history of substance use, a history of pre-adolescent sexual abuse, depression, or other psychological disease. Um, what, what you can't see but is like built into the calculation is if they are between the ages of 16 and 45, and if they are male, they also get higher points on the scale. What this tool will do is give you a score. It will put you into a low, moderate, or high-risk category. And if somebody scores high, it doesn't mean you can't prescribe to that person. But doing this score and calculating that risk gives you an opportunity to discuss that score with them. Doesn't mean that I can't give you an opioid, but, but let's talk about some ways to make it safer for you. The goals are not just fewer opioid prescriptions and safety. It's still giving patients relief from pain and a functional life. Here's Bernie again. You can't just dial down the opioids, and especially on people with chronic pain who've you know, been on them for quite some time. So you can't just dial those down and leave those patients in, in, you know, in a bad place. You have to offer them something else. So as we've pulled down the opioid prescribing, and we've, we've had a significant impact in reducing our opioid prescribing at Metro Health, you know, very significant. We, we've developed a pain and healing center, which is new for us. 
uh, so that these patients have have other modalities of care so they can get pain relief so they can get on with their lives. I'd like to really understand how it works. So um, instead of a doctor giving an opioid for pain, you would get a referral to the pain and healing center. What's the yeah, process? Okay. So we're, we're educating our prescribers about uh, you know, the best use of opioids for pain control. And there will be patients, however, who are right now on a lot of opioids who have chronic pain. It's, it's very hard for a primary care doctor to manage that and to reduce their opioids. They need help with that, right? They don't have the expertise to do that. So it'll largely be patients who have chronic pain that are, that are managed in the pain and healing center. If, it, if you have surgery and, and you go home and you get a prescription for opioids or maybe you don't, you're, you're unlikely to interact with the pain and healing center. That'll, that'll largely be uh, you know, for people with chronic pain. So um, for the first time in, I think, eight years, we've seen a reduction in opioid overdose deaths. I know locally some people are crediting Project Dawn and Dr. Papp in particular, uh, especially law enforcement officers. What's your take on that? Yeah, certainly Project Dawn, I'm sure, is a, is a factor. There, there has to be other factors in, involved. I mean, the Know the Risk campaign that, that um, you know, we developed here has really raised awareness of, of the problem. You know, part of this is society, you know, we've got to take the stigma away from it, I mean, from addiction, from opioids. It's sort of everybody's problem. It can happen to anybody, right? I mean, we've seen it happen to anybody. You know, I know that we're putting less opiate pills into the community. I mean, significantly less. That has to happen if the opioids aren't, aren't out there. And a lot, you know, a lot of overdoses are related to prescription drugs. If, if there's just less pills in the community, there's going to be less, less addiction, less overdoses, less deaths from overdose. I'm sure that's a factor, too. I mean, the pharmaceutical companies are under attack. So it's, a, you know, multiple factors all in play. I mean, that's the only way you're going to win this thing is for everybody to work together. Oh, we're definitely going to win. You know, there's, there's a heightened level of awareness now. You know, doctors are, I mean, they're starting to get it, right? They're starting to change their practice. Governments are putting in regulations, right? They're doing what they can uh, to control the flow of opioids. So, so we're going to, I mean, we're going to win. Absolutely. So I'll tell you this, all these efforts to cut opioid prescriptions have worked. How well? Well, that's next time on the final episode of Prescription for Hope. I'm Katherine Ruska, Program Specialist for the Simulation Center. We do the educational training for pretty much the whole hospital. Everybody comes here and practices or brushes up on their skills. Prescription for Hope is a production of the Metro Health System, which is working hard to become the most admired public hospital system in the nation. Mm -hmm.